On today's episode of the NBA Outsiders podcast, Pete, Frank, and Duff are here for the NBA trade deadline special. Another trade deadline that did not disappoint as Twitter was blowing up as usual. Woj bombs and sham bombs alike. Yo, Duff, how you doing, my man? What up, what up? We got Woj, we got shams, but they both got scooped by Kevin O'Bomber himself. First one to tweet out about the IT trade. I love it. Frank, how you doing, brother? I'm chilling, PD Pantalones. How you doing, man? Bro, excited about the new Nick or nah? NBA trade deadline. It's a great time. Let's get it. Like I said, you're listening to the NBA Outsiders podcast. Pete, Duff, and Frank in the house. Yo, Frank, right, right back to you. We got a new Nick in the house, man. Are you hype? How you feeling? Uh, I mean, I'm excited because the Knicks usually don't go after, like, younger dudes. And with this season kind of being, you know, over or hanging in the balance, whatever you want to say, with KP's injury, uh, bringing another young guy along who was a top draft pick in his year. I think he went seventh. Um, I think it's good, you know, give the man a shot. It's not like we have uh, a ton of guards who are vying for minutes right now, so... I think he can make it a good competition between himself and uh, and Trey Burke. And uh, who knows, maybe he flourishes in New York. That is true, man. We, we will have to wait and see. And now that's another person from the top of that lottery joining D'Angelo Russell and Jaleel Okafor who have been traded, who have just been put out for the takings. You know, D'Angelo Russell gone for uh, a salary dump, basically, for the Lakers. And Jaleel Okafor, they couldn't even get rid of him in Philly. Uh, not quite the case for Moutier in Denver. He's had some good moments, some good games. He's actually torched the Knicks before. Um, so, hey, the Knicks are taking a shot. It's a good type of swing for them. You, like you said, Frank, young person. Um, but we have so much to talk about today. I mean, the Cavs really made a move and started the domino effect, right? So, it felt like, and Duff, I know me and you and Frank were talking all day on Twitter. It felt like that one move dropped for the Cavs, and then another for the Cavs, and another, and then boom. The NBA trade deadline hit mass hysteria, as it always does. What who was going through your head when you realized the Cavs were trading everybody they can? It was insane. It was, it was like the floodgates opened. I, I'm not a big uh, Twitter guy, as Pete and Frank will tell you, but I was actually sitting on Outsiders Twitter, and I was just kept hitting refresh and refresh and refresh. And it was I, I texted both of them. I was like, Yo, I don't know what's going on right now. I have no clue. It feels like Twitter's buzzing. This is amazing. And it just it, it felt like everyone in the NBA community was talking to each other at the same time. And it was just it was amazing to be part of the conversation. It was a lot of fun. Yes. And of course, the great publications like The Ringer and ESPN and Fox. I know uh, Gottlieb and Broussard were, were on all day for Colin. Thank God, because Colin doesn't give enough attention to uh, like the minute NBA trades, you know, like the little the little people. Uh, mm-hmm. So they, we got a lot of action across the best NBA uh, cover coverage people, I guess we'll call them. And it, it was just a lot of fun. I mean, Twitter was electric. But the reason it was electric is because the Cavs really took us by storm. I mean, they had this spectacular game just one night before where the Cavs beat the Timberwolves in overtime. LeBron James goes Superman with the huge block shot and the game winner right after. I mean, it was huge. People were all probably writing their articles, recording their podcast, saying, oh, my God, this might be a turning point for the Cavs. Isaiah Thomas played okay. LeBron was smiling. Like, it was insane, right? Great game. And we wake up the next day, 
And in a couple hours, Isaiah Thomas, Channing Fry, Iman Shumpert, Derek Rose, Dwayne Wade, Bye Bye Sayonara, Welcome Rodney Hood, George Hill, Larry Nance, and Jordan Clarkson. Four new guys, four new faces, guys we all know, and they're joining what is now again seeming to be a contender. Frank, many people are considering the Cavs more of a contender today than they did yesterday. Where do you land on all this? Uh, I mean, I'm still not completely sold that they're, you know, head and shoulders above where they were because, I mean, maybe they are a little bit better, but I still don't see it, you know, taking them a stride past the rest of the teams in the East. And I certainly don't see it taking them to the levels of the Warriors. Um, but I just can speak from my own experience. Like today, like I was getting texts from people about trades going down. Cause like everybody's so excited about it. And everybody like after the first Cavs trade, everyone was like, Oh wow. Like what's going on. And then, you know, I kind of had the thought like, where's their point guard. They have no point guard anymore really. And, uh, and then they made the deal for George Hill and I was like, all right, they certainly must be done now, but, but no, they weren't. I, I just was, I was surprised about how much movement there was today in general. Uh, but the Cavs really set the pace. They, uh, feel like it's like a hard reset in the middle of the season which you really never see for a team that's you know LeBron James led and gonna be going for a championship because that's what LeBron James teams do so uh very interesting I think it's kind of unique and different than you know some of the past deadlines for sure I mean a lot of the people who are out there saying slow your roll a lot of the people out there who are being skeptical are citing what you just did like this team is going through a complete overhaul not you know, not two months into the season, not not even three months. Like, they're more than halfway there. The all-star break is right here. It was literally the trade deadline, and this is one of the trade deadlines that actually feels closer to the end uh, more than usual because the season started early this year. Um, but I have a little bit of uh, a thought. I'm thinking about some of these guys from the Cavs who got traded away, and I'm not sure that all of them are too upset. So I'm going to play a little bit of a clip from Channing Fry about him getting traded to the L.A. Lakers. Because listen to the way he's talking, the way he sounds. This doesn't sound like a guy who's too upset that he's leaving the Cavs. Just want to say thank you to all the Cavs fans, Cleveland, everybody. Uh, you know, business is business. Um, hey, I'm off to the Lakers. It happens. Um, I'm excited. Good, nice, great young team. Um... And word to everybody, don't go 0 for 6 or they're going to trade your And he's going to trade your ass. Oh, my God. Channing came out the real right there. But, I mean, at the end, he definitely sounds like he's joking there. I mean, he had a rough game shooting. He goes 0 for 6, get traded, calls it out, right, just like that. But other than that last part, Duff, didn't it sound like Channing Fry's looking forward to 75-degree weather? Anytime you can move from Cleveland to Los Angeles, that's a win. That's got to be a win, right? I know Isaiah Thomas said he didn't want to get traded, but now he's in Los Angeles. So if you're going to be bad and on a slightly chaotic team, it's better to do that in Los Angeles than Cleveland, Ohio. I'd agree with that. I mean, shit. I'd like to struggle in California instead of in uh, New Jersey right now. Sounds right. I mean, all we've had lately is just snow and rain and cold and wind. And, and I'm sure Cleveland is probably worse than it is over here in New York. And now, 
Isaiah Thomas, who literally said it out loud to a reporter just two days ago, how he didn't want to get traded again, doesn't want to move again, this whole thing. And that was what really, really took people by storm. That's what set people off today on Twitter, in my opinion, was that Isaiah Thomas, the guy who came back and threw out 14 games back, struggled mightily, did not get it going, called out his teammates, referenced his old team and Brad Stevens and how they did things the right way and a better way than he was witnessing in Cleveland. So it was like some major shade being thrown around, some major uh, issues between LeBron and Isaiah on the court and possibly off the court. So people were making a big deal. So Frank, I know you have been a defender of one Isaiah Thomas this year, telling people, you know, give him some time, let him get 20 games, 25 games, and we could reconnect on this. So now that he's traded, do you think that's out the window? Or or what do you see his odds of, uh, you know, proving people it could have been a mistake? I think he's going to – I don't know if he's going to have a year like he did last year. I mean, he finished, what, fifth in MVP voting? So, I mean, that that might be like his, his one great season, but I still think he's a bucket getter. He can shoot well. Uh, he knows how to move the ball and, you know, play an offense because he succeeded in Boston where they ran, run a very structured system. So uh, I think he still has something to prove. I think now that he's on the Lakers, he'll probably have a little bit more opportunity with the ball in his hand, probably be a little bit more alpha like he was used to last year. Um but like you said, I feel like people are, I mean, I know his start has been bad, but like really bad, but still it's, it's only 14 games played after a pretty serious hip injury. Uh, guy who averaged 29 last year, I'm not going to give up on him after 14 games. So Frank, I got, that's all valid, valid points, but I got a question for you because Isaiah Thomas figured out it's nice to go where you're wanted. He said that he, he said, I don't want to be traded again, but at the same time, it's nice to be where you're wanted. That's good news that he figured that out. But the bad news is we're not sure the Lakers want him because Luke Walton was very noncommittal about saying that he would be a starter because they're trying to work Lonzo in. He's the rookie. He's the number two pick of the draft last year. Got to let him grow. So where if they don't stand with Isaiah saying, oh, we'll give him the starter minutes because, you know, he's better or this or that. How, how much do you think he'll be able to grow in this season? Or do, do you think he'll be able to get back to 90% of where he was at? Or are we just looking at this year as just a full reboot? Because that hip injury was worse than everyone thought. And it's basically, you know, he tore his ACL. So now he's coming back and the next season's going to be kind of wonky, and then the season after that, that's where he picks it up? Or you think he's going to find form towards the end of the season here? I think, I mean, it's got to be tr uh, tough to go, you know, three teams within the course of, you know, one off season and half a season. So, you know, I, I don't I don't expect him to, to, like, completely ball out in Los Angeles, but I do expect him to be better than he was in Cleveland because he just clearly didn't seem happy or – people around him didn't see have to seem happy with him so it just kind of a toxic situation which is tough for for everyone really when you're in a toxic situation so I think if you know even if he comes off the bench in LA he's going to be you know a primary bucket getter for that young Lakers team I think uh I think they'll look to him for veteran leadership which is something the Cavs didn't which I think is something he probably actually enjoys about the game so uh, I'm actually going to say no. I don't think he'll get back to 90% this season, but 
you know, in the future to come, I'm not sleeping on IT. Like, I'm still going to be happy if he, you know, signs with the team for low money. I'll be like, that's a steal. So, There's a few things that play into that. Um, a being what he what role is he going to accept, like you mentioned, on the Lakers. He should be able to fit the role of getting buckets for that team. Uh, but what's really sad for me is that there was this year, what, two years ago now, where, like, everybody got paid. Like, the year where the salary cap exploded. and then the Yeah, year... where Mike Conley was the highest paid player in the league for a little while. Exactly. And basically the year after that, they were like, oh, crap, I think we overestimated how high this cap's going to go. And now the cap really flattened out. So all these people like freaking Kent Bazemore and Evan Turner and um, Evan Fournier, Joe Kim freaking Noah, Nick Batum, all these guys got they got paid. They got paid out the ass. And Isaiah Thomas was out here grinding back to back All Star for Boston, twenty nine points, fifth in MVP, and he's never gonna get that big contract. My man's making nine million dollars right now, and. I'd be hard-pressed to think of a team that's not desperate, like a team that he wants to go to to try and win. I don't know that that team exists that could be a good team. Like, I don't know the fit, and he might be a one-year a one year contract guy for the next couple. I mean, maybe he'll get those one-year 18 millions that J.J. Reddick got. Who knows? 23 million. Show some respect. Uh, whatever. 23. I, I'm saying whatever, about 5 million, I guess, but... Basically, it's going to be just super interesting to how the rest of this year plays out for him and then moving forward because he has now become like the, the slighted guy in the NBA. How much of the talk about him today was saying how bad people feel for him that he's getting going through all this stuff. So, Frank, I'm with you. We've slept on this guy his entire career from the draft to the Kings to the Suns all the way through last year, and now he hit another wall. So I'm saying give the guy the benefit of the doubt, but I think that was a real rational approach by you, Frank. Expecting it this year is going to be tough. Yeah, I think I think I'm on the opposite side of the fence here because I think this was sort of the end of it because his game, as small as he was, a lot of it was dependent on the sort of freakish athleticism he had with quickness and as terms of like first step and jumping, like being how quick he gets off the ground, and he was very explosive for such a small player, and he played with such reckless abandon. It's going to be hard for him to do that with his hip. You know, maybe that's a problem for the rest of his career now because that's going to be – it's going to be something he uses every night and something like if you land funny, if you turn funny, if you plant weird, it's all going to – the pressure is always going to be on his hip at a certain level. So I'm going to be worried about this for the rest of his career, and I do feel really bad for the dude because – People say timing is everything, and it, it just didn't it didn't work out for him. If his contract ended last year, he even with that hip injury, he might have gotten someone might have given him a hundred million dollar contract. Like like Isaiah Thomas, his window was pretty small. <laughs> I know it's kind, of, it's kind of a rude joke right there, but well put. <laughs> like him, his window was small, and I think it closed just a little bit too soon on him. But hey, let's root for him. Let's see what happens with the Lakers. They're going to be super interesting. But now on the flip side. The Lakers, with one of these guys like Jordan Clarkson, who got, I think, $13 million a year for a couple more years going on, with what the Lakers want to accomplish in the next couple of years and having to sign Ingram, Kuzma, Ball, maybe Randall, who knows what they're doing with him yet, and hopefully be active in the free agency game, they had to get rid of a guy like Clarkson because you can't pay him $13 million. The beneficiary is the Cavs. They also grab Larry Nance. So, Frank, Nance and Clarkson... 
what kind of role do you think they play for the Cavs? Do you think they help? Do you think they make them better? Uh, I mean, overall, when you look at the, the end result of them getting rid of Kyrie, uh, I think their turn is actually pretty terrible because they pretty much got three non-starters and a Nets pick that's probably not even going to be like two to five, possibly. So, uh, first off, just want to shout out how bad that trade was or I guess those series of trades, like they got fleeced for Kyrie. Absolutely. Um, who knows though? Jordan Clarkson's having the best year of his career. I think they bought high on him. They also, didn't they give up a pick as well? Well, Oh, their, their first round pick. Yes. Yeah. So they also gave up their first round. I just, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess Larry Nance can be an energy guy, which seems like the Cavs need a little bit of that right now, but, uh, I'm still baffled by the trade, honestly. I didn't see it coming, and yeah, it's it still kind of catches me by surprise. I think this trade will help more than people think because the Cavs were the oldest team in the league, and they got rid of a lot of those older guys, Fry, Wade, you know, whoever, and they add youth. Youth is going to just translate to energy, and a lot of – if you watch the Cavs – this year, like in 2018, I'm saying the past month, there was a lot of standing around on offense and just lack of hustle. And it just wasn't inspired basketball, which is something you would never expect from a LeBron James team. So just is having... It though, is it something yeah. you wouldn't expect or does this happen every single year? It's it it was different. It was different though, because think about that loss to the Magic. They blew a 21-point lead the Magic have a 43-point quarter, and Jonathan Simmons looked like James Harden out there. He was doing whatever he wanted. It was insane. I I was watching that game texting you guys, and I was baffled because I said, I think on this very podcast, that I was not going to watch another Orlando Magic home game this year, but I saw it was close with like 10 minutes to go in the third. I was like, all right, let me just watch the Cavs implode real quick. And And then it just happened right in front of my eyes, and it was just insane to watch dj augustine just run around the court and get to whatever spot he wanted sheldon mack doing whatever he wanted it was it was it it was i i had no words for it. it i just it was insane so you're thinking that jordan clarkson larry nance being young energetic athletic um you know a big guard in clarkson and then uh a small ball big in larry nance you think they can help uh, just via energy Larry, don't sleep on Larry Nance. He is he is one of my ass stars. People forget that. That is true. You picked him as an all snub, an ass star, if you will. People do forget I, I about think that. Just because look at uh, Tristan Thompson. Like he needs to be careful now because he has been playing really uninspired basketball this entire season. It has been just. It's like some nights he feels like playing, and other nights he doesn't look like he's ever seen a basketball court. So. I just think Nance is going to play hard and at least people are going to give a shit on the team now. Another guy (laughs) who has to give a shit is Rodney hood. So from the Utah jazz, a guy who at one point was uh, looked at as the heir to Gordon Hayward started off a little slow this year, had a couple injuries. Donovan Mitchell clearly took over that team and ran away with it. Rodney hood continued to score 17, 18 off the bench or occasionally as a starter. But now he has a much more important role in the NBA, and he's going to be expected to perform because he's LeBron James's teammate. But this is a guy who sometimes you can look at him one night and be like, "Holy hell, this guy's insane! Like, how is he 
How is this guy not an all-star? And then he goes two for, like, 12. So he's a real hit-or-miss guy, but he clearly has the talent. You think that he, mixed in with George Hill, can bring something dynamic to the Cavs? I would say yes, because last week we talked about Rodney Hood being a guy that was the, the Jazz were looking to move, and we were thinking, you know, maybe teams that were looking to get younger players and, you know, just try to stockpile. Or we, we, we mentioned, like, he almost got traded to the Bulls, and then we're like, all right, maybe the Hawks, or but then Camp, ba- Camp Bazemore was there or whatever. So we're like, all right, Hawks a Jays, Bulls a Jays. I did not expect this from the Cavs, but it's – it's definitely going to help them because you, he, he, you said he could just get hot. He can just win you a game because in the fourth quarter he hit four threes and you're just like, all right, well, that was awesome. But the next night he might suck. And hopefully by playing with a LeBron James, someone who's going to elevate Rodney Hood's play. So I think, I think he is the X factor now on this team. And George Hill, when he wants to, when he wants to be inspired and play hard and play good defense, he can do it. On the Kings this year, he's been inconsistent, but, I mean, fuck it. He was in Sacramento. Like, who really cares about playing for the Kings right now? It's a fair point, and I, I agree, man. Rodney Hood, I, I saw some tweet uh, by the guy, of Alex Kennedy, from Hoops Hype, um, USA Today vehicle. He, no relation to me, uh, just another good Kennedy out there. But he's an NBA reporter, and he said he talked to a few players today who all spoke very highly of Hood that it seemed like in the circles of the players, there's a lot of respect to be said about Rodney Hood's game. And it makes sense because when it, there's something to say about when you watch a guy ball and he's in rhythm that you can see they have an it factor. And maybe he doesn't have it all the time, but he may not need to have it all the time because this team does still have some other good players. And hopefully when Kevin Love gets back, they can be competitive. And I think now, I think we could all agree and we can start talking about some of these other trades unless we have a rebuttal here. The Eastern Conference playoffs just got a whole lot more interesting. I personally think they would have been interesting either way, especially the further the Cavs slipped down in the standings. I think whoever sees them as a 1-2-3 seed would have been shit in their pants. But either way now, I don't think they slide down the standings, and I think the Raptors, Celtics, Wizards, whoever you think could compete, the Bucks and the Cavs, I think they're in for a real battle, and I'm excited. Strong agree. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm never going to sleep on a LeBron James team in the playoffs ever again. The guy's been to, what, seven or eight straight? So. Seven. So, yeah, so, I mean, even if they had the same exact roster as a week ago, uh, I'm still 99% certain I would have had them as my Eastern Conference champ. So. so All right, so I got a question for you guys. I saw this floating around Twitter today. Who do you think won the Celtics-Lakers trade? Refresh me on the trade you speak of. Or, no, I'm sorry. Cavs-Lakers. Uh, I, think, honestly, I think they're both winners. I mean, that's like kind of the easy way out. That's the easy take, right? But I, I actually, I'm glad you brought this up, Duff, because I kind of wanted to ask you guys about this. After this trade gets made... There's two things being said. One's being said that the Cavs got immediately better, and the other thing is that the Lakers set them up, set themselves up with even more cap space than they already had, which means they can be real players in this year's free agency. So by that account, it's kind of easy to say they both won because the Lakers don't care about wins this season, but they care about being able to get wins next season, and having that cap sets them up for that. So I think it's a win-win in that sense, but what I do want to ask you about 
people now think LeBron to the Cavs is a thing again. Does that drive you guys insane? Do you believe it? Or do you not even care? Um, first of all, I'm going to say I actually think the Lakers won for the point you made. Um, they freed themselves up to sign, you know, a max guy either next year or the following year where uh, I forget all of the names, but guys like uh, Jimmy Butler come off uh, for books and stuff like that. Like there, there's a big free agent class. Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, all- 2019 is Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson. Yeah, so um, I saw I saw a bunch of stuff saying that, you know, the Lakers, if if all works out with this trade and Isaiah Thomas kind of, I guess, gets back to what he was, they can sign him to another one-year deal and kind of forego this season and just trying to get LeBron because I don't know how realistic that is, uh, especially if they still have Isaiah there. Um, I think that, that he's a lot. They're not going for round two. Cleveland. <laughs> Because uh, I don't think he wants to team up with Isaiah Thomas again. <laughs> yeah, I would I would agree with you, Frank, that the Lakers will be the long-term winners. Like, the Cavs got what they needed for this year. The window is the window, and it's looking small for them right now because LeBron is completely non-committal because him and Dan Gilbert just hate each other. There's absolutely no trust. So the Lakers are the winners for me long-term because the Cavs essentially just just – made the path so much easier for their biggest threat of losing LeBron James. Everyone before the season was like, oh, LeBron's going to Lakers, no doubt. And, it, it, you know, the season goes on, you don't wait, really wait. see it. And then, hold on, hold on. Hold on. For- and then Lonzo had a bad, like, two weeks. And people were like, oh, no, it's off, it's off. And then he had a couple of good weeks. Okay, it's on, it's on. Then he got hurt, and then they don't care. And now it's back. I know. And that's just, that's just what this, this NBA season has been a bit of a circus in, in that regard. Where it's like every two weeks there's like a new take about who's going to win the finals or who's going to contend or whatever. But now they have two max slots. So who are the two biggest names that people were talking about going to Los Angeles before the season started? It was LeBron James and it was Paul George. And the Lakers couldn't really fit both unless they shifted the cap around and whatever. Well, now they shifted the cap. Now they have room for both. And then if they move Julius Randle, they'll have even more room. In the offseason, if they move, they'll have even more room to sign someone else and a, a better piece that's ready to contribute in a different way. I don't, I don't know. If a better of version of Julius Randle? What? A better version of Julius Randle? Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. As you say that, behind me on the TV is the Thunder versus the Lakers. And I just have a hard time reading Paul George. I don't think he's like a person who you feel comfortable about what he's going to do either way. And that's probably the same thing with LeBron James. Like we can sit here all we want and guess and pretend and say LeBron's going to leave. But we know that that decision is just not made yet. There's so many things to happen still, and we have no clue. And anybody who says they have a clue, they're either lying to themselves or they're just having fun with it. But the Lakers are playing with house money in this situation, I think, because now like the pressure's on Sam Presti because he brought him here. He traded pieces away. Oladipo, who is an all-star, Sabonis, who looks like he's going to be, you know, he's like a legit, he could be a legit starting power forward. So he traded two strong pieces for Paul George, obviously a great player, definitely made the team better. But now, like, what is going to keep him in Oklahoma City? If they get bounced in the first or second round and they don't make it to, well, probably not the first round. If they get bounced in the second round and they don't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, or if they just get swept by the Warriors in the Eastern Conference Finals, 
last what do you what do you sell to Paul George to get him to stay in Oklahoma I think that's just as, as this goes on unless we see some major success it's just gonna tilt the scale in the in the Lakers favor It'll be damn interesting, man. I'll tell you what. It looks like we're in for another interesting summer of NBA free agency and draft time as well. Because the NBA draft, man, there's going to be a good one. It's going to be one that people have pretty high expectations for. But the draft order is looking very wide open of who's going to be the top and who's going to be 10. But they all have potential. So it'll be real interesting. Uh, One last thing on the Cavs before we say goodbye to them and move on to some of these other trades that happened and some of these trades that didn't happen that probably should have uh Dwayne Wade the little nugget got thrown back to the heat for just nothing right just like threw him back out there take him out of the locker room apparently wasn't the easiest guy in the locker room so I mean is that just like a nice story Dwayne Wade back to the heat does anyone even care like do people expect him to help them like or what's going on here uh I think it's just like a sentiment thing I think it's probably one of the last years, if not the last year, probably we're going to see Dwayne Wade in the league, maybe. Um, might be like his little last hoorah, so I guess it'll be nice. But, um, yeah, I don't think that's making any moves in the Eastern Conference, really. Yeah, I think this is going to be his last year, and he gets to retire as a, a Miami Heat player. Which It's going to be weird to see him back there, because he's not going to start, right? I mean, he uh, shouldn't. Probably not. They all play uh, defense and stuff, you know. What are you saying? That the Heat like play defense and stuff. How's he gonna? How's he gonna play with them? Yeah, he can't. He can't do it anymore. They're too far removed from him. Also, just bringing up Dwayne Wade, one of the biggest winners of this trade deal, Gabrielle Union. Facts. Dwayne Wade's wife gets to go back to Miami. Did you see her tweet? She was pumped right away. She got it out there before he did. I think. Yep. Um, wow. Also, that might be a little look forward at a candidate for outsider of the week. Oh, Gabrielle Union. Ooh, maybe Gabrielle Union. Uh, she might be a sleeper for outsider of the week. We're gonna get to that later. That's a thing we just started doing last episode. The NBA outsider of the week, a guy or gal, we see now, somebody who uh, somehow either really won or really lost the the week in the NBA. So there's definitely some winners and losers. We got to talk about more of them. So NBA outsiders. Uh, Frank, Pete, and Duff in the house talking NBA trade deadline on this special episode. So another trade that we mentioned in the open that Frank gave some quick thoughts on, I gave some quick thoughts on, is the Emmanuel Moutier to the Knicks, Doug McDermott to the Mavs, uh, Devin Harris, who is still in Mm -hmm. the league, (laughs) gets moved to uh, the Nuggets, as well as a second-round pick swap between the Nuggets and the Knicks. Um, A trade that seems pretty non-impactful for the NBA and probably is true, but we are also connected to the SBNY podcast, so some of our listeners probably care about this. Plus, it's a trend in the league for these young players, especially young lottery picks who haven't gotten their shot to get moved while they're still on their rookie contract. It's a real interesting thing that's happening. So, Duff, I'll open it to you since me and Frank gave some quick thoughts. Emmanuel Moutier to the Knicks. What do you think of a deal of this matter? I think it is a good move for the Knicks because... McDermott was older. He he was in college all four years. He'd been in the league for a couple of years. Kind of is what he is. Moutier is only, what, he's 21? Yeah, he's, he's almost 22. It'll be he's 22 next yep. month. Or at the end of this month. But uh, no, next month. Sorry. Um, I, I'm on board with that. We we talked about teams like the Hawks and the Bucks and Or no, Hawks, Bulls, Nets, 
just kind of uh, sons, just getting young guys, letting them play and see what they have, keep the good, you know, trade the bad or let them walk, whatever. So this is just going to be another guy. They get to see what they have. Maybe fresh start. He just starts to look better because he's not in, you know, he's not in Denver anymore because that, that backcourt was really muddled and in, in, or in New York. Once they get rid of Jared Jack, they'll have a little bit more space for the young guys, some Moutier, some Frank. I'm on board with it. and But the only thing that I'll say is, in relation to this, I'm sad that they got rid of Willie because why would you not just play him minutes? Like, they must have, there must be something we don't know. They must have really hated him to bring up Frank or uh, Pete. Who's your boy from the G League? Uh, Luke Cornett. Luke Cornett. Luke Cornett. Yeah, he, he, he came up today. He made his debut, right? Yes, and he hit a couple three balls, blocked a couple shots, some rebounds. Yeah, baby Zingus, yeah. right? He's poor Zingus light. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I just think, why not just hold on to Willie? But, I mean, you get two second-round picks. You know, you don't know what Hernan Gomez is going to be. You know, maybe you, you know, strike gold in, in the second round. Who knows? One of those so I don't, picks I don't hate moved, that move. I'm just nitpicking a little. So, Frank, I'm going to let you run with that because you need to get your two cents out about Willie. Um, but just to attach it so you could just take the floor, I want you, after you talk about Willie, to talk about who you think would be, who will become a better NBA starter in this league, who has a better chance to be a legitimate plus point guard or two guard, I don't know, between Frank Nilakina and Emmanuel Moutier. So let me hear your thoughts on Willie, and then pick one who has better odds to be a starting point guard in the league. Okay, so first on Willie, uh, I just think... You know, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe this. I guess I'd have to say uh, maybe, in my opinion, I guess he's uh, a high ceiling or, sorry, a high floor, low ceiling kind of guy, which is maybe what the Knicks front office saw as well. So, um, you know, he probably just wasn't in the plans for the future. I mean, we did get Enos Cantor, who is having one of his best seasons in his career as a Knicks this year. And uh, he's kind of like, like uh, Duff said before, Porzingis light for Cornette. That's kind of what Willie Hernan Gomez was for Freenis Cantor. And I don't think anybody else would argue that uh, Kyle O'Quinn hasn't been one of the better Knicks this year. He just, he's our energy guy. He plays a bunch of defense. Um, you know, you, you can't, you can't love, uh, you can't not love black Irish. So I just think he kind of found himself as the odd man out in the rotation. Um, you know, get two second-round drafts, draft picks, which is, you know, where they got Willie anyway in the second round. So uh, have faith in your front office a little bit, and uh, I think it's going to be good for the Knicks. I don't know. He doesn't even, you know, he didn't play. And we were having, you know, if not as good a year as last year, uh, you know, maybe a little better, maybe a little worse depending on how you look at it. But, um, you know, it's whatever, man. I'm not, I'm not entirely mad that Willie's gone, you know. It's not what I wanted, but I'm also not going to, you know, break the bank about it. I hear you. But, so uh, I think uh, just quickly before you hop back to the Frank and Emmanuel Moutier conversation, I, I feel you, man. And I found myself going at Willie a little bit because of how hard Knicks fans were defending him. Like, he was some sort of game changer. And, like, I love Willie, man. I rooted for him real hard last year. I was really high on him. Like, I was looking forward to watching him play this year. He didn't get the opportunity. And real, being as realistic as possible, it's hard for me to see him as a real starter in this league. And to be honest, 
he's kind of going the opposite trend of bigs. He's the big who doesn't protect the rim and doesn't shoot threes. And usually nowadays, bigs need to do one of those two things. And him being Cantor Light doesn't help his case either. So I kind of feel the same as you there, Frank. So uh, take back over on the Neil Akina Moutier conversation. Okay, so uh, right off the bat, I'm going to go with, with our guy, the guy that we drafted, because uh, if nothing else, he's his body type, just his, his physical makeup. I think he's like a little bit bigger and a little bit longer than Moutier. So uh, just from that standpoint alone, he's a little younger, a little bit more, you know, athletic and a better body, I guess, for the NBA. But um, he's already still uh, um, immensely better at defense. Emmanuel Moutier is not a good defender. So uh, I'm going to have to go with Frank on this one, but I- I'm not giving up on Moutier just yet. Like you said, uh, I've seen him ball out against the Knicks. Uh he is very athletic. He just needs to, to, to learn how to shoot a little bit. So um, I actually I have high hopes for both of them, uh, but I do think that Frank Milikina will be the guy uh, in the future. So uh, I'm putting you I'm putting Duff I'm putting you on the spot, Duff. Give me the ceiling and floor for Frank and Moody uh, uh both. I Frank basically took the words out of my mouth as a as an outsider of the the Knicks sphere, I would say Frank has the higher ceiling because he's a couple years younger and he already has one skill that he is, he's very good at just off of raw ability. And that's defense. And you can't really point to anything with Moutier and be like, Oh yeah, that thing, he's really good at it. Like he's pretty good at getting to the basket. He can, you know, create his own shot a little bit, but once you extend like past mid range, he can't really shoot. So, like, how much does that really help you if you just have a guy whose help defenders can just help off of him, and if he doesn't have the ball, he's not really a he's not really a serious threat to, as a spot up shooter. So I think because Frank has that one thing, he's very good at defense and guard defense. I think is with like all the great point guards that are in the league now, he's going to be playing against Kyrie Irving and John Wall and all those guys every every week. I think Frank will be the the one they stick with. But I again, I don't hate that they had Moutier just to see what's what. And the scary part is that Frank might not be the guy who we're talking about for four years when he's 23 years old. So it is a little crazy to put so much stock into the guy because he's clearly not there yet. But you have to do it. You take him so high, you got to let him sit on it, got to let him make the mistakes, got to let him play, and hopefully he'll continue to have that chance moving forward throughout this year. Um, that's some good stuff on the Knicks, but I want to do some quick-hitting topics with you guys on some other trades that went around the league today as well as some things that might happen in the future. So where I'm going to start off, and I'll go to my man Frank because I know he loves this dude. So Derek Rose was a part of one of those Cavs trades, but he is likely going to get waived by the Utah Jazz, and there is an alleged interest in the Minnesota Timberwolves for Derek Rose. Do you see the Tibbs Derrick Rose reunion? And if you see it happening, do you see it working out? Uh, I definitely see that happening. That's like a total Tibbs guy thing to do. He already brought his boys Jimmy Butler and Taj Gibson back. Um, so yeah, I could actually definitely see that happening. I actually think that's probably the only way Derrick Rose will get back into the league this year. Um, to the success of it. I'm not entirely sold. Um, 
it's very unfortunate. Like you said, I was I was a fan of Derrick Rose's. Uh, his MVP season was one of the most electric and fun things to watch in, you know, the past, I guess, 10 years in the NBA. Just something to behold. Uh, I still think he's the youngest MVP ever. Correct me if I'm wrong. Facts. You are correct. So, yeah, it's, you know, he did something special. It's kind of it's sad the way his career has trended. Um, from a fan's perspective, I guess, I feel like he himself probably, you know, at this point in his career, probably just, I don't even know if he enjoys playing basketball anymore because he takes a bunch of time off and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, just sympathy for Derrick Rose and his career and what could have been, I guess. I don't know. Hopefully he goes to the the Timberwolves and, you know, maybe shows some sign of life, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to get on that train. All right, so Duff, yeah. Duff, wait, hold on. Who's better right now for the rest of the season, Tyus Jones or Derrick Rose? Tyus Jones. Easy Tyus Jones. To quote Shea Serrano, having Derrick Rose on your roster is like participating in a pie-eating contest, except it turns out all the pies are filled with bees. Ouch. Yeah, it's just no fun. So we know how you feel about Derrick Rose. So maybe, uh, in, well, in Duff's opinion, Tibbs shouldn't even be the coach of Minnesota anymore either. Um, but maybe they shouldn't go after Derrick Rose. Uh, I know they're winning. I know they're, what are they? Are they three seeds still? Uh, top five. I'm for looking sure. at it right now. They're the four seed now. So they're two, they're two games back from from the Spurs. Yeah, I still don't think Tibbs is a good coach. <laughs> Fair enough, honestly. It really is tough to tell at points. But hold on. we got to keep this thing moving. We're doing some quick-hitting topics. Duff, Alfred Payton gets traded from the Orlando Magic to the Phoenix Suns for a measly little second-round pick. What do you think about Alfred Payton still being very young, moving teams to the West Coast to a team that's basically hopeless that you consider your sons the Suns? What do you think about this? For my sons, I really fucking hate this trade. Ooh. Like this, this is like a nothing throwaway trade after everything happened. I think the details came out like even after the deadline closed. I really hate this trade because I was thinking, I, I, I knew that they were maybe looking to get a point guard or whatever, but I really hate Alfred Payton and his stupid fucking hair. A, <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> B, I really would have loved if they moved Devin Booker to the point guard and just let him become James Harden 2.0, where he just dominates the ball, chucks threes, gets to the rim, gets the free throw line, starts working on that pick and roll real, like every day. That's all he runs. Um, I was so on board with that. Like his vision would just become better having the after having the ball and just getting better players around him as the years progress. So I'm really, really – I don't know how many years left Alfred Payton has, but I'm really disappointed in this trade. Wow. that's that's uh, I like that take. I'm all in on Point Booker. I'm with you, Duff. That sounds electric. I'm in. <laughs> um, keeping it moving, Frank, a guy who got no love at the trade deadline, sounded like oh, the Clippers. Oh, Alfred Payton isn't expiring. So, all right, maybe I don't hate this trade. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> but just, just to be sure, though, you let them know how you feel about Alfred Payton. Yeah, all right, that's what I'm – you got – I hate Alfred Payton, and I'm also looking forward to their uh, point booker's future. Got it. Check Checkmate right there. I love it. All right, so a guy who didn't get any love around the trade deadline seemed like the Clippers wanted to move him, but they could not. DeAndre Jordan got no love. Frank, should he have got traded? Uh – uh, for the value that the Clippers wanted back, uh, I don't think so. Uh, especially when you look at the teams who were possibly vying for that position, like the Cavs and uh, maybe even the Bucks. 
I think that's really the only realistic landing spot I had for DeAndre anyway was the Bucks, but um, I guess they weren't so ready to give up draft picks for him. And uh, honestly, it doesn't surprise me. It's kind of like we, we said before with Willie, uh, but he's obviously way better than Willie, but he's kind of his style of play, even though he's a great rim protector, he's almost a non-factor offensively unless you have someone to throw lobs to him. So He's antiquated. Yeah, pretty much just, you know, just imagine like three years ago, Chris Paul, Paul uh, Paul Pierce, and, and a few other Clippers like kidnapped him and did not let him sign with the Mavs. And now it's him and Lou Williams. Lou Williams, a man who just signed an extension. Uh, I kind of feel like you, though, on DeAndre Duff. Do you care to rebut? But uh, do you care to rebut? But I can't imagine uh, you do because what is DeAndre? What is he like? It just doesn't fit. What does he bring to a team worth what the Clippers want? I don't get it. No, this is... This, Lack this of self-awareness. He's on a bad contract, and he's got a player option next year. So you, you're picking up two years of DeAndre Jordan, who, I mean, he's still a double-double every night, but you can't have him you, you can't have him on a contending team, and you especially couldn't have him on the Cavaliers because he just can't play crunch time minutes against the Warriors, which... The Warriors have proven year after year when they just hand the Clippers their ass whenever they play. Regular season, postseason, it doesn't matter. I agree. And uh, that's actually going to be my next question. You just segued into it. But real quick, uh, Lou Williams, we were just talking about contracts, you know, and uh, how two years ago everybody and their mother got paid. Well, Lou Williams, if he had the year he's having right now, if he had that two years ago, the year before the increase in the cap, my man would have gotten like four years, a hundred mil, but instead yes. the Clippers get to keep Lou Williams, a guy who's thirty-one, who looks like he'll never be hurt and just get buckets for the next four years. Three years, twenty-four million. Is this a steal, no-brainer for the Clippers? Absolutely, because this is a team that's also looking towards free agency. We talked about the Lakers. Now we're going to talk about their little stepbrother, the the Clippers. They have their eye on LeBron James. They have their eye on Paul George. And having that team-friendly contract with a guy who's been performing so well this year, that's that's a good sign to say, hey, we're running this organization the right way. And that's a, exactly what you said was right. A few years ago, if he was a free agent, he would have gotten a $100 million contract after this season. But now we're going to see the market sort of correct and shift back to where it was. So he was making $7 million a year. Before this, now he's making eight. So that kind of reflects the cap and how he's played. He's Honestly, he probably could have gotten more if he went to open market somewhere, but he wouldn't have played anywhere where there would have been playoff hopes or serious playoff hopes. Yeah, understood. For, and I think it's smart. I mean, now they have a guy to hang their hat on for the rest of this year continue to build, continue to try to do the right things as a franchise. I think it's a good move as well. Uh, but this is a point in the year, like a couple other times, you know, like basically when big teams play each other, the Rockets versus the Thunder, or when anyone plays the Warriors or Cavs Boston, Boston Raptors, you always come back to the Golden State Warriors. And today in a world where the Cavaliers made a frig ton of trades and some other teams are still looking to get better, like the Celtics, going to be active in the buyout market, uh, amongst some other teams like the like the Thunder, it all comes back to the Warriors. So, 
how much are you putting in perspective all these moves in relation to does it make them better than the Warriors? Do you still think they're the winners even though they've done nothing? Yeah, I the Warriors definitely still won this trade deadline, not because of moves that were made by them or anyone else, but because of moves that weren't made by them or anyone. Else. Avery Bradley is still a Detroit Piston. Jonathan Simmons nope. Los is Angeles. still an Orlando Magic. Br- Bradley's Orlando a Br- magician. Bradley's a Clipper, by the way. Oh shit! Yeah, he's a Clipper. Fuck. Um. Either way, those guys didn't get moved to another Western Conference contender was basically my point. So they didn't wind up on the the Thunder or the Rockets or the Spurs or whoever. Because we know Avery Bradley is given the Warriors fits on the Celtics. Like he I I think Steph might have been the one who said who like they asked who's the toughest guy who guards you or something like that. And it might it was Steph or it was some other top point guard in the league and they said Avery Bradley. Because like the numbers don't reflect that this year or they haven't in the past, but that's because he's always guarding the best player on the other team. And so obviously if you're guarding Steph Curry, he's going to get his 20, but like, how does he get it? How hard do you make him work for it? Stuff like that. So Bradley and Simmons guys who are just super athletes, great perimeter defenders. The fact that those guys are, are not on Western conference contenders. That's a huge win for the Warriors. Frank, do you find yourself relating all these trades to the Warriors? No, uh, I think I, I think they're in the same position as last uh, as we last spoke. Uh, I think we all thought the only team that was going to compete with them was was the Rockets. Uh, I still feel the same way, and I still feel like the Rockets have as good a chance of beating them pro- probably of anybody in the league. Uh, I think they have a better chance than anybody in the league, actually, just in terms of, like, matchups and sort of things. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I don't find myself talking about the Warriors today. I'm glad yeah. to hear that. Yeah. Cause it, it, I'm tired it re- of talking about them. God damn it. It can really become a frustrating conversation. It's like, all right, you know, the Cavs, Rodney Hood can be a big-time scorer late. George Hill might be solid. He's going to sure, sure up their point guard spot. And it's like, yeah, but he's not going to be the Warriors. And it's like, ah. And you want to, like, wrangle the person who's talking about it. Because you're like, for one second, you just want to think about a team by itself. And then you have to remember that the Golden State Warriors have four All-Stars and are still uh, seemingly the best team in the league by far. My Actually, in all honesty, my only thought on the Warriors this whole week was how bad Paul George torched them. Uh that was actually the only thing of note that I took away from this week with the Warriors. Shout like, out Paul George. He actually on them. So do you think the Thunder, like, does, do you make anything out of the Thunder really competing well against them this year? Uh, I don't know, because their, their team, their team is like LeBron. Like, their whole team is LeBron. Like, in terms of, like, when playoffs come around, there's just, like, a, a fucking switch that gets flicked and you don't think they can get better, but somehow they do. They play better in the playoffs. So uh, I don't know. I still think it's going to be tough for the Thunder, but I definitely think they have a good chance of at least pushing it to maybe five, six games. But I, I don't see them dethroning the Warriors, no. The uh, playoff Paul George is a real thing. Like, I, I've seen it last year. He was on a Pacers team that had no business 
even being in the playoffs, realistically. I mean, he had Thaddeus Young, a banged-up young Miles Turner, and Jeff Teague. And like, it, it was not a great team. And yet, in the playoffs, even though they lost every game and got swept 4-0, he competed against the Cavs and LeBron. Somehow, he kept them in games. He comes out to play against the biggest and the best. And you can say the same for Russ, even though he gets a little too reckless. And Melo, playoff Melo, even though we haven't seen him in a while, he was a real thing as well at one point. So we shall see. It'll be a ton of fun. Uh, but, guys, before we move on to our, our new favorite segment, NBA Outsiders of the Week, are there any trades or moves that we're forgetting here? Because I know we're saving some for Outsiders of the Week segment. But anything else we need to hit? Um, I don't think so. Duff, you got anything for us? Oh, I got plenty to talk about in the Outsiders. All right. So I guess it's that time of the episode where we announce our NBA Outsider of the Week. Duff, why don't you break down for us what is an NBA Outsider of the Week? Because maybe not everyone heard last week's episode. An NBA Outsider of the Week is someone you maybe forgot about, someone who usually doesn't do anything, who is doing something, or someone who usually is great, who was bad, or someone who makes some sort of impact, can be tangentially related to the NBA. Could be a player, could be a front office guy, could be a relative of a player. Shout out Gabby Union. Um, but this week... My NBA outsider of the week is Tyreek Evans. Hey. Tyreek Evans of the Memphis Grizzlies. How, when was the last time he even played a game? Uh, has, he's been sitting because they were supposed to trade him, correct? Correct. He's been <laughs> sitting because they were planning on trading him. The trade deadline comes and goes, and Tyreek Evans is still a Memphis Grizzly. So what, what, did, what do you guys think they're going to do with him now? Because they didn't get anything for him via trade? Are they going to look to resign him? What, what's the deal? Well, the unfortunate part about this for the Memphis Grizzlies is that Tyreek Evans is on a one-year contract and basically doesn't have too much to lose. So now that he has not been trading, w- traded, which he might be one of the few guys in the league who actually wanted to be traded because the, the teams that seem to be interested are the likes of the Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers, you know, teams that have something to play for. And the Thunder. And the Thunder. The big three teams right there that you would love to join for a playoff push. So now that the trade deadline's over, he can tell the Memphis Grizzlies, hey guys, listen, I'm not signing with you guys next year. So if you want to be a bro, you should just wave me now so I can play some real basketball for the rest of the year. And I think that's going to happen. And the Thunder, Celtics, and Sixers are going to be knocking at the man's door. Yeah, I mean... I just, I believe that the Memphis Grizzlies are the biggest losers of the deadline. Like, literally, like we said, they sat this guy for more than a week because they planned on trading him. And at the end of the day, either never get the offer they want or just never pull the trigger for whatever reason. Uh, I'd be pissed off, man. That's that's a valuable trade asset that they could have probably gotten at least some draft pick from, you know? Well, here's the and, interesting uh, thing. Here's the interesting thing here is that apparently the Nuggets offered for Tyreek Evans basically the same deal they ended up doing with the Knicks. They gave, they were offering Emmanuel Moutier and a second-round pick or a second-round pick and a contract match or like a crappy player. So I found it really interesting personally that the, the Nuggets went to Memphis first to try to get Tyreek Evans, who by all accounts is a much better player than Doug McDermott. So hearing that as a Knicks fan, it makes me think, all right, well, the Grizzlies are being stubborn. 
And then we got Moutier for a much better price than Tyreek Evans. So, hey, that makes me feel good as a Knicks fan. But as a Grizzlies fan, it's like, damn, I love watching Tyreek. He's our best player right now. But what are we doing with him, if, especially if he ain't coming back next year? 100%. Couldn't agree more. Damn. So, Frank, wait, was, did you uh, kind of shout out your outsider of the week right there, too? Oh, I guess uh, I'm going to leave the Grizzlies for Duff. Uh, I'm going to shout out a an entire organization as my outsider of the week. Uh, and that's going to be the Toronto Raptors, believe it or not. Uh, okay. Usually around this time of the year, the Raptors are an active team looking to put, you know, another piece alongside uh, Ky- uh, I almost called him Kyrie, uh, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. But this year they were pretty silent, nonchalant. Uh, and it makes me feel like the end of DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry is coming soon for Toronto. Really? Like this might be their last go. I so really, oh my outside God. of the week. I can't I honestly couldn't disagree with you more. You just shocked me so hard, Frank. I I really thought you were going to say they were the good type of outsider like they're the they're now a team that feels comfortable in their own skin and they're ready to attack it. They're the outsider cuz they didn't get involved in this madness, but you're switching it up. You're telling me that the Raptors are going to be done soon? You don't have any faith? I don't have any faith, man. I just think they're they're perennially like the past five years. They're a great regular season team. They compete with the best teams in both conferences. And then when playoffs come around, they struggle getting out of the first round every single year. And Wait. I just I don't know. I I, I can't like it's it's kind of like the Clippers situation. Like the Clippers finally decided to blow it up because that team hit its ceiling and. So they it, got as far as they probably were ever going to get. And guys, I mean, the difference is guys aren't getting hurt in, Tor- uh, in Toronto. But at the same time, I just feel like if they're making an active push, they're a team that probably could have used another guy like like Tyreek Evans, honestly, or something like that. But you just didn't hear about them going after anything. So I feel like it's just them sitting on the back burner saying, you know, maybe we can have a uh, lesser payroll, but a uh, it's still a playoff team that will do just as much in the playoffs as the team we have now. So, Frank, you say this is the end of the DeRozan-Lowry backcourt. They're both signed through 2020. DeRozan goes all the way to 2021. Who who gets moved? Uh, I feel like we've heard Kyle Lowry's name. With like well, he wanted to go to the Spurs last, this offseason, yeah. right? And, and things like that. So, I, I don't know you know, how they do it. But if I'm in that front office, I move, I move Larry and keep DeRozan. DeRozan seems to be, in my opinion, DeRozan is a, is an all NBA player, uh, probably either first or second team, um, you know, at worst third team. So I just don't see Kyle Larry in that same respect. So uh, yeah, I think, I think this could be the end of that backcourt. I, I honestly couldn't disagree more. Do, I think DeMar DeRozan's an MVP candidate right now, and I think they're more confident than ever. Now, I guess in the court of law, it would be innocent until proven guilty, and you're basically going along guilty until you prove me wrong, and the guilt is the Raptors can't get past the Cavs or a top-tier team in the East. It's it's not even that. It's not even just, like, I don't expect them to get past the Cavs, and they have gotten to them, like, They've gotten to that series, but at the same time, like, they struggle to get there so mightily. Like, they go to seven games as the two seed. Like, they're just, like I said, they've hit their ceiling. They're they're a lot like the Clippers, in my opinion. Like, 
did the Clippers need to be blown up? No, that team, if it stayed together, probably would have still been a playoff team for the duration of all three of those guys being there, but, or uh, whatever, you know, all two of those guys, but shit happens and, you know, you move on. I mean, maybe I'm being ignorant, but I, I, I just, I've been watching a lot of this Raptors team and I kind of find them to just be different. They play completely different than they used to. There's way less ISO ball from DeMar DeRozan. There's more pick and roll. There's more uh, threes being shot around the board. There's more young athletic playmakers, like, uh, not playmakers, but either guards who can do a little bit of everything or athletic wings. I, I like the Raptors. I think they have as good a chance as the Celtics and, and the Cavs, uh, honestly. I really do. I think I think they're going to be right in the thick of things. I would not blow it up with the Raptors because I just don't imagine a universe where if they trade Kyle Lowry that they're getting better in any in any way. Like, what are they going to do to get better better other, other than hitting and getting lucky in a draft pick? I just think it's a, a real risky move. I'm not saying I necessarily think it's the right move. I just feel like, like the way they're moving, like the way the, te- the organization goes, like I said, like they usually make deals at the trade deadline. Like the past three years, I feel like they've been extremely active, just trying to get like one more guy, even if it's not a starter, just a guy who can help and make an impact. And, and this year they just didn't. And I don't know. It just, it, it struck me as odd. Well, they might have those guys. You know, they got Serge Ibaka last year at the deadline. They added P.J. Tucker this offseason. Fred Van Fleet's been like a legit backup point guard. O.G. Ananobi in the starting lineup. I mean, Norman Powell went from one of their most relied-on bench scorers last year to like their 10th guy in the rotation because people are outplaying him. Jakob Podol, the same thing. I mean, I, I hear you, and I'm probably be giving them too much credit here, but I, I definitely have some faith that they're going to make some noise. So we, we got to see how that one plays out because they, they did. They sat on it. They didn't do anything. If OG can make some strides in the next couple of years, I, I think I would side with Pete. But if he doesn't or they don't find another free agent or hit a, hit big on the draft pick again, then Frank's going to be right. I, I think this really this argument might uh, depend on OG. Interesting. All right. Well, Pete, do you have an outsider of the week this week? I do indeed, Duff. Thank you for asking. Uh, my outsider of the week is probably unknown by some NBA fans, but not true NBA outsiders because Luke Babbitt is my NBA outsider of the week. Uh, If you didn't know, he was on the Atlanta Hawks this season and he's been like playing minutes for them and chucking threes. Well, Luke Babbitt just got traded for Okara White, who has also been on an NBA team this season. Luke Babbitt is leaving the Hawks and joining the Miami Heat in the thick of a playoff race where they're going to ask him to go in the game and chuck threes. He's a winner. He's the outsider that nobody in the damn world cares about, but he's going to get on a playoff team, and he's going to get to chuck some damn threes. Shout out Luke Babbitt and your weird lefty jump shot. I feel like you can't even slide a piece of paper under his foot when he takes a three-pointer. <laughs> For real, he, dude. It's so he does weird. not even jump. No matter how far he is, he'll do the same little toe leap thing or whatever the fuck it is, toe tap. He shoots like the kid in third grade who's bigger than everybody but doesn't know what to do with his arms. <laughs> And he's actually kind of wet. I've never seen Luke Babbitt shoot a basketball, but after you just described that, I feel like I see it so vividly in my mind. (laughs) Like, imagine if Carl Anthony Towns was lefty, smaller, and, like, chubby looking. Like, he moved like he was chubby. That's what it looks like. Google it. I'm telling you. It's some weird weird stuff. (laughs) Uh, Also, shout out Gabrielle Union. 
Uh, she is a true outsider of the week because she's moving outside of the city of Cleveland and back to Miami. Uh, I'm sure she's a real happy camper on that one. And also, this is a little NBA outsider sh- shout-out for Willie Hernan Gomez because all I've been watching on Twitter all the past couple days, Frank Nielakina, Ron Baker, you know, Porzingis, Courtney Lee, they're all sending Willie Hernan Gomez his good luck wishes when he joins the Hornets. And I've been ripping into him on Twitter and on the podcast a little bit, saying, you know, slow your roll. He may not be as good as you think, but he's an outsider of the week because he deserves a chance to play, and I'm happy he hopefully gets it. Definitely, yeah. I couldn't be happier for for Willie because his main thing was that he just wanted to play, and he's getting that opportunity now. So uh, I'm happy for him. One more outside of the week for me, actually. David Fisdale. He was a coach in the NBA this season, and he was working the ESPN NBA trade deadline special. So he's literally on the outside of the club. Looking to get in. Someone <laughs> sign that, man. Real real quick, honorable. I got a couple honorable mention outsiders. So Luke Babbitt, you're talking about a shooter who's going to help a playoff team. Usually around playoff time, trade deadline time, shooters are at a premium. And not a lot of spot-up shooters got moved. We got... Marco, is it Mar- Marco or Mario? Marco, Marco Bellinelli. Yeah, Marco Bellinelli. Yeah, Marco Bellinelli on the Hawks did not get moved. And also, Joe Johnson got moved. Classic bucket getter, but to the Sacramento Kings. He is an obvious buyout candidate. So, And I think Bellinelli now might be. Who knows? So let's just say both those guys get bought out. Who, who do you think is snatching them up? Golden State, Cle- I mean, Golden State, Oklahoma City, or Boston are the big three buyout buyers. I say San Antonio Spurs get Marco Bellinelli. Oh, they get him back. They go back for him. They go back. He is a little bit more experienced now and is ready to be old man Ginobili for the next couple of years. I like that. I like that. Um, real quick, we are we're talking about buyouts right now. Greg Monroe, he got bought out by the Suns a couple weeks ago or last week, whatever, and he just got signed by the Celtics. Plays first game tonight against the uh, Wizards. The, the Wizards, thank you. Last so, night as well, since it's Friday now. Oh, last night, yeah. So, how do you guys think? How do you guys think that signing is going to work out for the Celtics? Dude, perfect. Al Horford light is Greg Monroe. Boom, good passer. Good post-up score. Uh, won't be like a complete idiot on the court. Do the right thing. Professional. Good. Why not? Perfect, right? Like, what the hell? It, like, it's almost frustrating how perfect it worked out. Uh, my opinion is fuck Greg Monroe and the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's go, Frank. <laughs> um, I don't give a shit. Uh, I feel like he's going to be non-impactful. Yes, keep uh, going, keep going. I don't even know how he's going to fit into that rotation. I feel like Aaron Baines has been pretty good this year for the Celtics, the role he's played. Um, so They're going to be used very differently, the two of them. I'm so, sure, but like, I just don't see... I don't, know, I don't see him being like such an impactful guy that we like go back and say, like, wow, remember when the Celtics picked up Greg Monroe? That was huge. Like, I, I don't see that. I think I'm going to disagree with you there. I'm, I'm going to say not that it'll be huge, but that it will be impactful. Greg Monroe went to Georgetown. He played for John Thompson III, who runs the Princeton offense, which is a lot of high post, you know, move around the passing big man 
who you know high basketball IQ guy you can run your offense through it's not it's not exactly a point forward because you're running just sort of the, the high post half court offense where people are cutting around screens and I think that's definitely some stuff that Brad Stevens has been running through Al Horford already so I think this is going to be more like what Pete said it's going to be Al Horford light where he's going to get he's going to be a little bit more physical on the glass than Al Horford would be he's just going to stuff the statue like like last night against the Wizards, five points, two steals, two assists, six rebounds, two offensive rebounds in 20 minutes. And he shot two for four, two for five, not great. And he also got a block that they didn't give him credit for that I saw because I was watching the game. So, <laughs> outsider stat. So, outsider stat right there. Um, so I, I think he's just going to be another like solid basketball player with a high IQ. So now they 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 just got even deeper. Wait, look forward. By the way, NBA outsider listeners, future outsider of the week could be a member of the Boston Celtics, and we haven't seen him for, since the first few minutes of the season. Good tease. Obvious tease. Obvious, obvious tease. tease. <laughs> good good tease, but a little obvious. All right, maybe it's Gordon Hayward. Maybe it's not. You don't know nothing. all right guys uh pete duff and frank nba trade deadline special you guys got any last words for me uh i feel like i haven't got to say this on the podcast but uh i couldn't feel like any worse for any player in the nba than i do for my man chris stapps right now uh had a breakout year kind of sorta um and is you know got voted to the all-star game and isn't even really going to be able to compete. And, uh, it's just sad. I hope he's back, you know, some point next season, but who knows kind of a rough time for an ACL injury. Uh, but just, you know, thoughts up for my man, Porzingis. That's, that's going to be my final thought. For sure, man. It is really, really sad and super sad. He's going to miss his first ever all-star game. Uh, just super quick. Give me like a two two second take, Frank. Should the Knicks have traded more pieces? Um, no, because I think right now where we're at with like restructuring the image of the organization and and what it means to be a Nick and what the Knicks organization is all about. Um, I like the veteran leadership we have on the team, and I think their value is maxed with us right now and you know trading Courtney Lee for second round picks I don't think would have been too beneficial for us considering we already got a couple for Willie and we're exchanging one with whoever we traded with today the Nuggets I guess so uh you know I don't think there was enough value to get another first rounder which was really the only thing I would have been excited to see the Knicks go after good stuff Duff any last words I'm proud of the Knicks for keeping the program guy, the glue guy, Enos Cantor. Stop. I'm proud of him. I thought you were gonna say you're proud of the Knicks for keeping that first round pick, and I was like, me too. Oh, yeah. that that too. But like, <laughs> but like, how, honestly, how could they fuck that up? Even no, uh, well, no. All right, yeah, no, good for them. Seriously. <laughs> also, uh, <laughs> shout out Jeremy Lin signed his player option for next year. He'll be back on the Nets. Yeah, I believe finesse. I believe I read on Twitter that this was the earliest a player has ever done that. 
Good for him, man. Finesse. I don't know. I feel bad for Jeremy Filet. <laughs> Filet. Also, one more quick finesse, just because I saw this on Twitter and it was really funny. Uh, in Derrick Rose's Adidas contract, his brother and best friend were both getting annual payments. Uh, his brother's worth $200,000 and his best friend's of like $70,000 just for being boys with Derrick Rose. Those are outsiders of the week, too. <laughs> yeah, anybody in the NBA that wants a good, you know, loyal posse guy, I'm here, uh, and I'll settle for less than 70K. <laughs> Frank, who are you trying to get in that posse with? Uh, honestly, Ron Baker. I want to be part of the 80-minute club. Me too, bro. And, I'm in. And, you know, pure grit. That guy's pure grit. I Wait, real it. quick, does anyone know what the 80-minute club is? No, but I want to be a part of it. That's All right, shout us out on Twitter if you know what the 80-minute club Because we have some theories, but none that are suitable for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and when you shout us out, you can do it at NBA underscore Outsiders on Twitter. I'm Pete. We got Duff and Frank. You're listening to the NBA Outsiders, a sports blog New York podcast. Shout out to them. Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed your NBA trade deadline special. We got some more NBA coming your way. Stay tuned. Stay with us. We're going to bring you on the path of enlightenment throughout the rest of this NBA season. Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great day.